you have shared with him. And Lord, I pray now that as he shares that with us, Lord, that you would bless him and you would bless us. Lord, give us ears to hear your voice this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're on. That's me warming up, not the microphone. It's been, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen Mark's Tate's and Mark Mellish's videos on Facebook. Has anyone seen them at all? It's worth looking at. It's great. I went out there with a team about six years ago to exactly the same place. So I've been watching those, and it's just been fantastic seeing what we saw like six years ago. And there's a great one, I think, that Mark Tate's done. He's obviously holding his iPhone in front of him, and they're walking down this really busy street in the middle of Paneer and Bihar that's one of the, if not the poorest part of India. You know, they don't really see white people in that place. No one goes there. It's actually nicknamed the missionary's graveyard from hundreds of years ago. It's so poor. And Mark Tate's walking down this road, filming all that's going on, and then you just hear, I think, Mark Melius say, everybody's looking at us. It's like there's three white people holding an iPhone, walking, it's brilliant. You've got to watch it. And then there's a, they're in a worship service where there's an electric guitar and electric guitar. I think that's about it. And it's just so loud. And they, they've got comments on the Facebook page, but it is brilliant. You, you must go on there and have a look. Anyway, this morning we're looking at James, the title Faith That Works. And I was looking at this whole area of titles. When we see a title, it gives us an idea, doesn't it, of what's in the book or what the movie represents And then you have job titles that are meant to do the same thing until you come across some that don't really work. For example, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs Intelligence Officer. Someone has that on their business card. Creative Technician. The two personality traits that you would never put together would be creative and technician. And then you've got Crisis Management Executive. If you get to the crisis, then the management really hasn't worked too well beforehand. Business ethics advisor in the banking world. And then one, it's not really a job title, but you've got devout atheists. They just really don't stack up. And we've probably all in workplaces, or we've all been in workplaces where we have somebody with a job title, and you really have no clue how their job title actually matches that that you see them do or don't do. And you try and put it together, and you know, their, their work ethic doesn't really match up with what they've got written on their office door or their business cards and quite often we'll we'll put them lump them all together and think you know these people are really lazy or another word we might use is managers all these job titles that don't really match up then you have the people in your workplace that you just have so much respect for because actually you you know what they do by their actions and by their character you don't even have to look at what's written on their email footer but they just what they do really lives out that that they're their job title would suggest. They're people that we want to be around, they're people we want to learn from, they're people that we want to listen to. And that's the whole thing with titles. It gives us an, an idea of what, what's in the book, what's on the movie, what's behind the person. And in the 1800s, there was a quote that was turned into a, a Christian hymn. And it says, What you are speaks so loud that the world can't hear what you say. 
They're looking at your walk, not listening to your talk. They're judging from your actions every day. What you are speaks so loud that the world can't actually hear what you say because they're looking at that that you're doing. They're looking at your walk. They're not listening to your talk. They're judging from your actions every day. And I think we get some of that from this book of James. We're going to be looking at character, character of someone that has a living faith in Jesus. What we do is more important than what we say. What we do is our character that's revealed to the world that people see through our actions. If you do have a Bible, if you want to jump to James 2, starting at verse 14. It's entitled Faith and Deeds, and James says this, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? A traveller in China asked a native if he had ever read the gospel. He said, no, but I have seen it. I have seen a man who was a terror of the neighbourhood with his curses and his violent temper. He was an opium smoker, a criminal, and as dangerous as a wild beast. But the religion of Jesus made him gentle and good, and he has left off opium. No, I have not read the gospel, but I have seen it, and it is good. I have seen it in... It is good. The transforming power of Jesus in that man's life when he was met by the Holy Spirit had changed him from a drug addict, from a criminal, from a violent temper to a gentle, good man. I have not read the gospel, but I've seen it and it's good. James is talking about the faith lived out, the actions and the deeds of the people that profess that faith, have that love and that trust in Jesus. And it's not what a person says that shows us who they are, but it's what they do. A person's character is revealed in our actions, I think we all know that, and our behavior, how we live out that that we talk about. Who a person says they are or thinks they are isn't necessarily who they show themselves to be. When um, writing movies and when writing books, not that I do, but I don't know if you remember the old old, old curate, he's not old, but he is the old curate, Bob Eckhart. I, I get to meet Bob I don't know, probably once a month. He only lives in Hounslow and we'll have coffee. And he's always emailing me or texting me about various things, some strange things. But he's writing a lot at the moment. He's writing movies. He's writing books. He's writing scripts for plays. And a challenge that he has, and I guess every book writer and movie writer, is how do they get across the character of you know, the, the person in the book or in the movie? And it's, they have to do that through their actions, reveal their character, don't they? You don't, halfway through a movie, it would be really poor if suddenly the main character says, stops it and pauses, you know, I'm 44, I'm quite adventurous, I love gadgets, and then gets on. You know, they don't do that, do they, in the narrative? They do it through their actions. You know, James Bond, we all know he's adventurous, he, he loves gadgets, but we see it by the way he acts and by the things portrayed in the story. 
They get across the character through their actions and through their behavior, rather than them telling each other who they are and what they like and what they do. It's that actions and that behavior that reveals our character to the world and our faith to those around us. The good thing about James, I don't know if you've read the book recently or parts of it, is that it's very practical. James isn't big into theology, into doctrine, which is great if you're simple like me. Some of the books in the Bible are really you know, tough to study, but James is really easy. It's quite a quick read, and he flits from one t- subject to another and back again, and it's just very practical. It's like a doing book as you read James. It's easy to understand, and like I say, there's not much of the, the theology. It's going to be a bit like this talk, really. So that's just setting out where we're going. So it has a real focus on action, a focus on doing, on living out our faith. And I, I can relate to it. I'm, my wife will confirm, I'm more of a doing type of person. I like to think I'm more of an action type person. I'm not very um, contemplative or, um, or a studying type. You know, I like to get in and do it. Things like the Natural History Museum, you know, that massive history museum, I can do in 20 minutes. I can. Karen will confirm it. Now I'm dragging my children around, and I guarantee that once I've done it, and I, I haven't learned much, I probably haven't read anything, but I can, I can be in and out in 20 minutes. I'm that. We went to a country house with some friends not so long ago, a National Trust place, and it was 10 to 5, the house closed at 5. And the lady said, we close in 10 minutes. And it was like, that's fine, we only need... <laughs> and we, all we do, we're up, and t- up the stairs along the corridors and we're out. It's a noise, Karen. But, you know, it's quicker, isn't it, if you do it that way? You don't learn much, but it is a lot quicker. So in, in the book of James, you get all this practical advice. You get the real sense that he's urging us to action rather than analysis. That's what you get from it as you read it. So it's about living out our Christian faith, faith that works, you know, living it out making an impact on society, on the people around us. He challenges us to be doers of the word earlier in, in the book rather than just hearers of the word. He says, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? You know, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by actions? That's the kind of faith can't save anyone. James is very clear about that and he goes on. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing, and you say, well, goodbye and God bless you, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? And there's a, a Snoopy cartoon. Hopefully you can all read that. If you can't, it says, Snoopy looks kind of cold, doesn't he? I'll say he does. Maybe we'd better go over and comfort him. And they say, be of good cheer, Snoopy. Yes, be of good cheer, and they walk off. Has that helped Snoopy in any way? You know, the thought was there, wasn't it? But actually, the actions didn't live up to what they recognized as a need. They walked away. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing, and you say, well, goodbye, and God bless you, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? We need to live out our faith by our actions, by our character. Our faith has got to impact us at a level that's not just our intellect. It's got to affect our life. James gets even stronger. 
He says, so you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. And verse 24, he even goes on further. He says, you see that a person is not justified by what he does. Sorry, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. We're justified... In what way, sorry? Romans 3.28. Well, we're looking at James. That would be... Okay, Romans 3.28. No. For we know that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. That's what Romans 3.28 says. For we know that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So, on one hand, we've got James saying... Faith is not about faith on its own. It's about what we do. And then you've got Mark pointing out from Paul's letter to the Romans that actually we're justified by faith, not by the works of the law. And sometimes that's brought up as a, um, almost a rebuke to James's letter where James is just purely talking, well, not purely, talking about faith lived out. You know, we've got to, got to do stuff with this with this faith that we own, that we possess. You know, we've got to be doers of the word. It's not just about coming along to church and having this intellectual faith that saves us. We've got these two things that almost counter each other, but actually they don't at all. When we understand where the letters of, are coming from and who they're being written to, Paul was writing for Gentiles, whereas James was writing for Jewish believers. You know, so their purpose was different, their emphasis was different. Paul was defending Gentiles, so the non-Jewish believers. After Pentecost, we all know the church grew massively. People that weren't Jewish by their heritage and their um, religion were converting to Christianity. You know, they were following Jesus. And Paul was writing to them saying, like, don't, don't be impacted. Don't be bogged down by this whole Jewish ritualism and this Jewish religion and expectations put upon you. Don't be bogged down by that. You know, what you do isn't going to get you to God. You know, it's about faith. It's about having your trust in the Lord. So that's what Paul's referring to in his letter to Romans. You know, don't let this whole Jewish culture bog you down and say, look, in order to believe, you have to do this. You have to be circumcised. You've got to do this. You've got to go to the temple and do this. You've got to meet all of these requirements in order to be saved. Paul's saying it's about faith that we're justified. And then what, who James is writing to, James is writing to the Jewish believers who are now um, split throughout the countries. And he's saying, like, you're now living amongst non-believers. You're, you're talking the talk, but actually you're not living it out. You know, you're, you're being squashed by the culture around you. And although you're, you've got this Jewish heritage that says we've got a faith in God, you're not allowing that to change the culture in which you're in, the atmosphere of the place you're in. You know, it's no good just saying, you know, I'm a believer. You've got to make that, show that through your actions and your behavior. So they are, they, they don't clash, Paul and James, and although you'll read some commentaries on it that say they do, and some have even suggested the book of James shouldn't even be in the New Testament. We're going back. Um, hundreds of years when they were, when I think it's John Calvin, wasn't it? 
sorry, Martin Luther, they're saying that shouldn't even belong, you know, because I don't agree. We're justified through faith. You know, why is he saying that faith isn't good enough on its own? But, you know, they, they complement. They're writing to different audiences. So it's about having a life focused on God with that outward expression of love and compassion. That's what it's about. It's not about professing faith. You know, we have various creeds. We say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. And that's not what faith is. That is an expression of what our faith is. But just by saying the creed, professing the creed, isn't the same as possessing our faith. It's not about profession, it's about possessing it, living it out. It is acting in faith, demonstrating our trust in the Lord. And whether we're an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. Now, when God transforms us through the renewing of our mind, it says in the Bible, when God transforms us, the changes should be tangible for each and every one of us. Because we, we, we take on that love and that compassion of Jesus himself. That's why when we were looking... Um, Chris was talking about the winter night shelter. You know, a church is almost judged not by how many attend on a Sunday or a midweek meeting. That's not what the strength of the church. The strength of the church and the, the faith of the church is judged on actually what actions do we live out in our local community. And I, I wrote a few here just before. Um, you know, Beesom is an outworking of our faith. You know, we did the noise projects <coughs> a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. That's an outworking of our faith as a church. As a church, St. Paul's Ridley Avenue Ealing, we just don't want to meet within the four walls. You know, we want to go out there and impact our community. And it's a way of expressing our, our love for God to those around us, isn't it? They're hosting the party on the Saturday evening after Beeson, inviting people along. People see the person of Jesus in the way that we live our lives. Individuals, but as a church. Cap. People giving their time voluntary to meet with people that are in financial dire straits. And people there seeing the heart of that individual meeting them, which is the heart of the church professed and the faith of the church possessed. The winter night shelter. It's a sacrifice for people to come and sleep in a church hall on camp beds or whatever they're going to do to meet the needs of the community. Now, I, I doubt anyone thinks, oh, fantastic, I'm, apart from children having sleepovers. You know, I'm going to go and sleep on a camp bed in a big room with about another 20-odd people, main, probably people that I wouldn't necessarily want to spend the evening with, you know, and all the different things that are associated with that, maybe the, the difficult conversations that have got to be had and cleaning up at the end of the morning. You know, we don't, it's not one of those things that we'd love to do, isn't it? We don't look on a Friday night to go and do it. But it's a sacrifice. Actually, God calls us to compassion for the people that you know, need our help, need our love, and, and the church to be there for them. So winter night shelter, children's work, youth work, all that goes on, not just here on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week, meeting different children maybe that wouldn't normally come to church. We've got the language school, choices, crisis pregnancy counselling, all these different things that the church does to try and meet some of the needs out in the community, expressing the love of Christ to those of us that we come into contact with. Now that's what we're 
judged is the wrong word. That's for how people look at the church. Is it having any effect? Why does the church do all these things? Why does this person behave in the way he does when he's at work? What's different about him? You know, it's our faith that's in our intellect that then flows out in the way that we live our lives. And that's what James is referring to, that our faith without these works, without these actions and behavior is dead. It's just purely an intellect. And that's not what it's about. And I'm sure we all know that. Actually, it's the love of Christ that should flow out freely from us. Our good deeds can't earn salvation like some religions and cults would like us to believe. I'm not saying, I hope you all get that, that it's not about our good deeds by what we do that we are saved. But true faith always results in a changed life, our own changed life. A changed life that can change the atmosphere of our homes, the atmosphere of our workplaces, our schools, the coffee shop in that we find ourselves meeting our friends. You know, that's what faith does. It changes us and in turn we're there and you know, we can change communities, situations. I believe that as a church. You know, Mark's out in India with the team now and I just know from my experience of six years ago that the people they'll be meeting in villages spread throughout the area of Bihar, maybe in Nepal if they go there. You know, the people that have never necessarily heard the word of God and you know, heard it and seen the love of Christ coming from people. Now, why would three white people from London go and spend time in the poorest of these poor communities in Bihar? That says a lot to people. And the church here financially and through prayer and all those different types of things, supporting the projects out there and these thousands of children that are being schooled. And that's an expression of our love for Christ. Now, not just in our local community, but in our, our global community. So it's not enough to simply believe. It needs to be that belief that trickles down from our head that impacts our hearts, that you know, flows out through our hands and the things we do to our feet, to the places we go. And that's what James is talking about, a faith that impacts communities, cultures, and ourselves. Not just an intellectual faith, but a, a um, faith lived out as individuals, but as a church, as a group of people. So how much, I'd ask, do, do you let your faith impact the things that you do? How does your faith impact your character and your actions and behavior. I know from my perspective, you know, I'd love it to impact it more. You know, I'd love to be changed in a greater way, because that's what Jesus promises us. You know, and there's lots of areas in my life that I need that, and my faith doesn't get reflected in maybe the way I talk on some situations, in the way I act, in, in the way I deal with situations that are put before me, and I'm sure that's the case for all of us. You know, we would love our intellectual faith and to flow throughout our body to all these different limbs for doing and walking and speaking. I'm sure we'd all love that faith to actually be more obvious to those around us. Would you agree? I'm sure you would all agree. It's hard to... But that's what Jesus promises, and that, as a church, is what we'd love to do. Like I said, it was a very simple talk. I just followed James's structure, and it wasn't very theological. But sometimes it doesn't need to be, does it? It's a practical. You know, Jesus is a practical person that says, actually, it's quite simple. You believe in me, you need to live out your life. And when you live out your life, other people will be drawn to you and drawn to me. That's what church growth is about, isn't it? The church acting in such a way that people think, hang on a minute, what's going on? Why is the church doing this? What's at the core of this church? And the core of the church is Jesus. And that's what he calls to be at the core of each of us, that we can impact those around us.
Okay. Should we 